0: Christ community, how are you doing today? Everybody good? Turkey hasn't worn off yet, has it? You guys are a little sluggish this evening. Those of you who are here, I hope you are online or faring a little better. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Darryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. It is, uh, it's great to be with you. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving celebration and uh, excited to turn our attention towards Christmas. So as we uh, head towards Christmas season, a couple things that you should know. First, and we have baptism coming up on December 12th after our Sunday 10.30 service. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you, like you're all in in this thing and you have not yet declared that through baptism, this would be a great time to do it. Christmas season would be a great time to do that. And so I just want to let you know that. If you're in person, you could stop at the welcome desk on your way out and ask about it. And if you're online, you could let the service host know and they'll get you the information to get that process started for you. Second thing, Christmas Eve services. Friday, December 24th, Christmas Eve services are always on Christmas Eve, 2, 3.30, and five o'clock. All right, you have been warned. Those are the service times. So I'm excited to celebrate Christmas with you. So this, uh, this Christmas, our series um, that we're doing is we've just titled it Regifting. Uh, you guys know what re-gifting is, right? Um, it's been around forever. We just didn't have, a, we didn't have a name for it until Seinfeld Show, season six, Some of you like that, show. okay, so Elaine gifted for Christmas a label maker to Tim Watley, and Tim Watley gave that same label maker to Jerry as a thank you gift later, and when Elaine found out, she said, he recycled my gift, he's a re-gifter. So I don't know where the English language would be without Seinfeld, but we now have a term for this re-gifting thing. so Marie, and my first experience with regifting that we 're aware of anyway, was with our wedding. There was a, another young couple who got married a few weeks before we did, and they gave us a for our wedding, they gave us a beautiful cutlery set that was way more expensive than either one of our budgets could afford or way more expensive than what our relationship with them was and so i'm Really thankful that uh, we were the recipient of that re-gifting 31 years plus later, it's still in our house and used on a regular basis. Probably the worst re-gifting story I ever heard was a friend from church was given a $25 Barnes and Noble gift card and when she went to use it, it had (laughs) $14.76 on it. Um, True story. And then a beautiful re-gifting story that I heard this week from someone in our church, she just wrote me this email and she said, I was 20, my first summer staff team at a Christian camp, both that previous year and during the summer, several people used their leadership gifts to speak in to me about my own leadership skills and ability. When they utilized their gifts to build me up, it helped me see myself and my ability in new positive lights and freed me to lean into those gifts and use them for the good of our ministry and mission. I think that's the purest form of re-gifting, is using something that God has given to us for ourselves, but giving it to those who are around us. So our Christmas series is re-gifting because in Christmas, God has given us gifts. And those gifts are not just for us to use, but they are for us to enjoy, but to re-gift into the lives of others. And so today, this weekend, I wanna talk with you about the gift of grace that God has given to us at Christmas. So if you have a Bible and you're interested, if you'd turn with me to Matthew chapter one, I read a couple verses from the Christmas story for you. This is the explanation of Jesus's birth and it's an angelic appearance to Jesus's earthly father, Joseph, explaining to him what was going on in virgin conception, virgin birth, so speaking to, of Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The reason for this name, Jesus, is because it means the Lord saves. Jesus is kind of the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, and Joshua is a very clear statement that the Lord saves. When a parent would name their child Joshua or Jesus, it was a declaration of faith, it was a declaration of hope, it was a declaration of confidence, they would say that the Lord is the one who saves. And so the angel making this statement of this child that was to be born to Mary, telling Joseph, you shall name him Jesus, because the Lord saves. So in Titus chapter two, starting in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It is this grace of God which comes to you and to me in the person of Jesus. Jesus is God's grace Personified. It comes to us in person of Jesus at Christmas time, but offering salvation to, to all people. And so we have this incredible privilege of receiving and extending this gift of grace that God offers to all human beings. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. So let me give you this little definition of grace, and you've probably heard it if you've been around church before. I don't know where I first learned this but grace is undeserved favor. It's as simple as that. Grace is undeserved favor. It is it is God's willingness to say to say yes to you, to say yes over you when what you and I really deserve from God is a no. What we have what we have earned from him by our attitude, by our actions, by our apathy, what we have earned from him is a no and grace is his willingness to Grant his favor to us when we deserve anything but that. I was reading on this this week and found this little quote in the Tyndale Bible Dictionary. Really enjoyed it. Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. Grace is about forgiveness and grace is about blessing and it is God's, God has an inexhaustible supply of grace for you and for me in confronting our indifference and our rebellion and he is willing to forgive and to bless. The grace of God has appeared, offering salvation to all of us in Jesus, his forgiveness and his blessing when we deserve anything but that. So I wanna read a little farther. It's Titus chapter two, verse 11, these verses about this grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us All wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So, I'm pondering these verses about this grace of God that brings salvation and what it does for us. And I just kind of like to talk with you a little bit today about what it saves us from and what it saves us to. So, if I could just kind of from these verses and a couple other places in scripture talk with you for a couple minutes about about this grace that is offered to us and then what it might look like for you and for me during this Christmas season to re-gift that grace to the people who are in our circles of influence. So, starting with what we've been rescued from, let's just start with the eternal consequences of our sin. That's really the, um, that's the chief idea behind you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins from the eternal consequences of our sin, from from the eternal death, the wages of sin is death. And what you and I have earned by our walking away from God, insisting on our independence from him, by living life on our own, what we have earned in all of that is eternal separation from God. And the Bible calls that, like that is spiritual death. It's the eternal consequence of our sin and he is Jesus because the Lord saves. Because the Lord saves, we have this grace that rescues us from the eternal consequences of our sin. We've also been rescued from spiritual slavery. There's that word down there, I read it late in those verses, the word redeem. It talks about being bought out of slavery because I don't know if you knew this, about yourself, about, It's true about me, the Bible tells us true about each one of us. When we are when we are living for ourselves, when we are living in our sin, before we've said yes to this grace that God offers us through Jesus, we're enslaved to sin. It personifies sin, sin is a taskmaster. Sin has ownership over and control over you and the decisions like it has convinced you that you are living in some kind of freedom, like you're making your own choices, your own decisions going your own way, but that just spiritually is not the case. You are living as a spiritual slave to this Master called sin, and, and you and I are redeemed like Jesus, he redeems us, he buys us back from that slavery to sin. He also rescues us from destructive behavior. And We read a couple minutes ago those words, this grace of God teaches us to say no to some things. Teaches us to say no, if you could just kind of make a really long list it's the stuff that it's, it's the destructive behavior. It's it's destructive to you. Scripture speaks of like Satan has come, and his goal for you is to steal and to kill and to destroy you. And he convinces you that that is the path to walk. And this grace of God teaches us to say no to this behavior that leads us down that path of destruction. And that path promises an awful lot of things. But as you walk it, what you learn is it's empty, which for a while keeps us walking down that same path because, well, this step didn't fill me like it promised. That next step must. And so so we get convinced, we get trapped, we get deceived, we get lied to. We we walk away from this grace of God that is available to us walking towards something that is an empty promise and grace steps in and you and I are rescued from that empty way of life. So we're rescued from the eternal consequences of our sins, spiritual slavery, destructive behavior, emptiness, and it's not like we're just plucked out of these negative things and dropped into something neutral. We are rescued to some amazing things. We'll call his name Jesus because he saves his people from their sins so, you are rescued from eternal consequences, eternal death, but you are rescued to eternal life. This grace of God that is offered to you, remember, this is undeserved favor. So, where you and I deserve eternal death, we instead receive eternal life. And that this is the grace of God being just speaking his yes over us, meeting our indifference meeting our rebellion with his abundance. Spiritual freedom, he sets you free from sin. And if you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. That he, instead of being enslaved to your sin, you are now free from your sin, and that doesn't mean you're set free to just run and do whatever you want, because frankly, you and I running around doing whatever we want leads us back into more slavery. Instead, what he sets us free to, to walk in his paths which lead to life. And this is God's grace. You and I haven't earned this. We haven't deserved this. This is, we don't, this is not something that you and I could lay hold of and say, this belongs to me because of something I have done. This is, this is your heavenly Father looking at you and saying, hey, I love you. I have something better for you. I have something more for you. You have walked away from me, but I want, let me, let me draw you back. And instead of that slavery that you've been living in, let me offer you true spiritual freedom to walk a path that leads to life and life in the stream of God's blessing. That that grace of God that teaches us to say no to those things that are destructive also teaches us to say yes to those things that God holds out in front of his people and says to us, hey, if you walk this way, I will bless you. And to live in the stream of God's blessing, to live in such a way that he can heap his blessing and his abundance on you, this grace of God has appeared so that you and I could have the opportunity instead of living in darkness to live in life, instead of living outside the stream of God's blessing to live in the flow and the stream of God's blessing. We also get to belong. We get to belong spiritually. That he, Jesus comes onto the scene, this salvation He gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself. Just looking at those words in prep for our time together, to purify for himself, spiritual belonging. Instead of being spiritual orphans, we are spiritual, we're children of God. To purify for himself, we get adopted into the family of God, a people, we are his very own. You don't, you don't, you're not lost. You're not, uh, you're not unnamed. You are, you're not without spiritual protection. You're not without spiritual covering. This grace of God, you, you are, if you receive this grace of God, you are part of this people who belong to Jesus. I think it's incredibly good news that we, that we get to belong to someone that we, we don't We don't belong to ourselves and we don't, we're not just set free to drift. We actually, we are a people that have been prepared and belong to Jesus and we get to be filled. This is the last part that we've been rescued to. We get to be filled to overflowing. We get to be people who are purified and belong to him for every good work. We're eager to do what is good. And so we get to live this life that's not just the life for us. It's a life that flows into us and it's a life that flows out of us and what we know from our own experience that this is when you're really living. When when you are not just receiving but you are actually getting to give that filled to overflowing thing, that's when you and I are really living and this grace of God has appeared to you and to me so that we have this opportunity to live a life that is filled to overflowing. And all of this showed up on that first Christmas morning wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The grace of God has appeared in Jesus who came to save us from our sins. And so we're people of grace. You know, we we gather together church building whether it's here in the place you gather in line gather together and and we sit under and we sit in this umbrella or this bubble of of grace that God that God ministers to us we're people of grace because if it weren't for God's grace if it weren't his inexhaustible supply and his inexhaustible ability to meet our rebellion and our apathy with his abundance, with his yes, when we deserve a no, we would be sunk. We would be sunk if it were not for God's grace that he ministers to us in and through Jesus. We are people of grace. And so so we recognize that, we acknowledge that. I don't think I'm saying anything to you that those of you who are part of this worship service would would say no to. I think this is something that we're all, like yes please and more of it, right? Yes please and more of it. So as people who have received this gift of grace from God, what does it look like for us to be people who re-gift this grace? And so I've got a few ideas for us here as we head into this Christmas season, what, what ministering grace looks like. This first one would be to broaden your circles to the margins. You think about your circles. Who are the people that are part of your everyday life? They're kind of on your beaten path. They're when you start thinking about, you know, who are the people in my life? You that's your circle. Grace broadens the circle. Jesus Jesus was perfectly comfortable in heaven. He was his, his circle with angelic beings, the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, like he was, he was perfectly comfortable there. And he came stepped down, became one of us, came to live among us, engaged us, engaged with us. So people who've received that kind of grace, I think part of ministering that grace is a willingness to step outside of our comfort zones. For sure we minister grace within our comfort zones too. But as recipients of grace, we should be giving thought to Following Jesus's example and stepping outside of our comfort zone to the margins, and what and what's interesting about that, Jesus's heart beats for people who are on the margins. If you read through the gospel accounts of his earthly life, he that's those were his people, the people the people on the margins. So much so that he told his followers, "If you're looking for me, it's." in the margins when you when you find the people who are on the margins and you're ministering to them you are directly serving you are directly ministering to me and it's it's a beautiful statement to his people and and for all of us there's there's always there's always people on the margins we're never the person who's not on the margin sometimes we're on the margins sometimes we're in a room where there's other people that we get to minister to but to broaden our circle so that it it includes people who are on the margins, whatever whatever that looks like in our lives. The second way that we, um, I think we extend grace is, is particularly in a situation where someone is not measuring up. The question is what would I do, what would I say if they were meeting or exceeding my expectations? And then do that. All right, that's what grace is, that's, that's a huge chunk of grace. You and I didn't, like, we didn't, meet God's expectations we can't measure up to his standard we fell far from that by our sin but what God has been willing to do for you and for me is to look at us through Jesus he's willing to look at you and say hey i when i look at you i see jesus i've wrapped you you're wrapped in jesus this grace salvation you're wrapped in jesus and so i see i see the one who met and exceeded all expectations jesus the booming voice from heaven in his baptism, this is my beloved son, with him I am well pleased. God says that to Jesus, and because you are in Jesus by his grace, he says that to you. And so for you and for me to be able to minister that same kind of grace, whether it's with people in our household or as somebody who's taking care of us at a restaurant or somebody that we're working with, you, you pick the spot, but What would I say or do to this person or for this person if they were meeting or exceeding my expectations and then do that for them? It's an incredible act of grace because most of us know when we're not measuring up, like we know that. And to have somebody who's willing to, to treat you as if you did, as if you were, it's mind blowing in the moment when you know you haven't measured up and yet somebody blesses you, affirms you, treats you as if you've, you've met or exceeded their expectations. So, so what, what would it look like if they were exceeding my expectations to do that? Third one, to slow down, to be present, and to really listen. This is what Jesus did. This is the incarnation. He, he stepped into our world, and he was with us. His name will be called Emmanuel which means God with us. And he, he came, he stepped into history and people's lives and, and was with them and was present. He saw them, he listened to them, he touched them, he reached out to them, he was, like, he was engaged. And again, you read through the accounts of Jesus's life and there, there's, there's never a point where he is like, you know, there's never a point where he's, where he's like, we gotta hurry this up. The people who were in front of him were the people that are most important to him. The people he's with, he had compassion for them and he was, he, he was present and he listened and he was there. And you know how the holidays are. You, we know what this next next four weeks is gonna be like for all of us. With work, family, the responsibilities, trying to get it all done, there's gonna be the potential for a whole lot of this. Trying to make things happen and grace says to the people who are with us, like hey, I'm with you. Like right here, we're, we're present in each other's lives. Let's just kinda take a breath, see each other, hear each other, Experience each other in these moments. People who are able to do that are rare. This is, this is not a common thing. You probably can't think of more than a handful of people in your life who, when you've spent time with them, you really, you feel like they were with you, not with you until they could get to the next thing or until they had to go to the next thing, that they were present in those moments and they paid attention to you because you mattered. And so we get to minister incarnation kind of grace to the people who are around us, slow down, be present, really listen. This next one, give the benefit of the doubt. I can't point to a particular scripture passage or even a moment in Jesus' life for this. People in our small group taught us this years ago and it was one of the great lessons that we learned about grace. Grace says, all right, I'm I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. Again, with the pace of the holiday season, the way things are going, with the stress, pressure that's in our world today, all these different things, for something to be going sideways and you be willing to give the person that is, that feels like they're the one taking it sideways, just give them the benefit of the doubt. That they didn't mean it that way, that it, they're having a bad, whatever you need to say, whatever benefit of doubt you need to give to them, like that is just okay to give people the benefit of the doubt. And then this last one is to offer forgiveness. This is the big one, right? I shouldn't have given you this whole list on the you know, on the slide there all at once, because you know I'm coming to this forgiveness thing. Christmas season, holiday seasons, this is, this is a big one, to be able to offer forgiveness to the people who are around us. Now, we know this, we talk about unforgiveness often. Unforgiveness is, you hold on to that, it creates bitterness in you, it just shrinks your heart, it, like all the bad stuff. The, the best statement I've ever read about unforgiveness, unforgiveness is like drinking poison hoping it'll hurt somebody else. That's true. But forgiveness is also a gift. And when you can release somebody, it's a gift for yourself, but some people know that they have wronged you and they are genuinely sorry about that and they are waiting for you to release them from that. They've hurt you and they know and and you could offer forgiveness to the people who are in your life. And so forgiveness is, Christmas is a great time for forgiveness. It's about that. Jesus came to to save us from our sins, forgiveness. That's what he gives to us. And so you and I have this incredible, beautiful opportunity to be and to live as people of grace. The grace of God has appeared, offering salvation to all human beings. And when that grace of God is alive in you, and when it's expressing itself in the relationships that you and I have, what comes next is legitimate opportunities to speak to people about this gift of grace, and more specifically about Jesus, the grace giver. And so if we'll be people of grace, Receiving this gift of grace that God has given to us, recognizing it is for us, living in all the beauty and the life-givingness of it, and re-gift it to those who are around us, we'll get to see people experiencing the grace of God that has appeared in Jesus that first Christmas morning. So can I pray for you guys? Worship team's gonna come back up here and sing for us. So Father, Father, We want to be people of grace. We thank you for this grace of yours that has appeared so that we could experience salvation, rescue, redemption, life. And so I pray that for myself and I pray for that for my friends who are part of this worship service that we would that we would be saying yes to your grace. That beautiful yes that you speak over us. And that we would be willing to minister this grace that we're receiving to the people who are around us. We thank you for being a God of grace, for making us into a people of grace. And Jesus, we wanna honor you with this grace you've given to us. And so we pray these things in your name, amen. of you are in the room, if you're able, would you please stand with me as I read this benediction over us? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, amen. God bless you guys, I love you, see you next weekend.